Over the past three weeks, we've been looking at all the, the background of the Christmas story, and we've discovered that this history of hope goes all the way back to the beginning of time when God created the heavens and the earth. See, God had set up the, the perfect system for the perfect life. He would be the source of everything that mankind would ever need. He gave them life. He provided them delicious food to eat. He gave them an amazing place to live, a purpose in their work. Everything they needed, he provided. And as their source, he would also be their authority. Now, of course, he also gave them, you know, a great deal of freedom, as well as some authority and responsibilities of their own. But he was to be the ultimate authority. He was the one who would decide what was right and what was wrong. And that was basically God's perfect setup for a perfect life. Uh, as long as mankind looked to God as the source of all they needed and they acknowledged him as their authority, life would be amazing. And it worked great. You know, for a time, Adam and Eve enjoyed the, the fullest life that you could imagine. Life as God intended it. It was sweet. They had everything they wanted. Uh, their relationship with God and with each other was, was perfect and beautiful. Uh, they, they never had any conflict, never had any strife. You know, it was exactly as you might describe heaven. But, of course, you know, something happened. Sin happened. Adam and Eve chose to reject God as their source. They, they chose to reject God as their authority. And they took that role on for themselves. And as a result, everything fell apart. Their relationships with God and their relationships with each other became broken. And uh, the sweetness of life turned into bitterness. And life on earth became very painful and difficult. In fact, all of mankind ha have uh, struggled ever since then. But of course... God had a plan. God knew all of this was going to happen even before he created the world. And so all along, God had a plan. Uh, God uh, knew of all the, the, the poor choices that Adam and Eve would make and that, that we would make ourselves. And so God had a plan. Uh, and that's what we've been looking at over these past three weeks. Uh, God's plan to put things back to the way they were when he first created the world. And all along the way, we've seen hints of God's plan, although he hasn't yet told us outright. But all through the Old Testament, we've seen these, these promises that God has made to different people, uh, pointing them all in the same direction. Uh, and in case you've missed some of those past three Sundays, let me give you just a, a very quick recap of some of those promises that God has made throughout the Old Testament. Uh, on week one, we learned that God made a promise to Adam and Eve that one day one of the descendants of Eve would crush Satan's head and, and would defeat sin and death for all time. On week two, we learned how God promised Abraham that one of his descendants, who would, of course, be a descendant of Eve as well, would be a blessing to every single family on earth. On week three, we learned that God made a promise to King David, who was a descendant of, King Ab of Abraham, who was a descendant of Eve, that one day one of his descendants would be king for all time. And through all those, those promises and through the Old Testament prophecies and then through the, the Christmas stories we began looking at last week in, in Luke, we came to realize that all of these promises were, were fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. He was the one that God had promised, you know, some 4,000 plus years ago. He was the one that would crush Satan's head. He was the one that would be a blessing to every family on earth. He would be the one who would be king forever. And that's what made that first Christmas such a big deal. It's because finally, after years of, of hoping and waiting for God to fulfill his promises, 
finally, God sent his son Jesus to be born as a human being, and he would make all things right again. But here's the question, the big question that we were left with last week. You know, if you look around at the world today, it doesn't really seem like everything's right again, does it? You know, there's still pain. There's still suffering in the world. You know, Satan seems as active as ever. Sin is still around in bountiful supply. Our relationship with God and our relationship with each other are, are much less than, than ideal. So what happened? You know, did God's plan fail? Did Jesus not accomplish everything that he was set out to do? Did we somehow misunderstand God's promises? Or is it just that the story isn't over yet? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. But first, let's pause here and pray and ask God to be with us this morning. Dear God, we do pause to ask you to be with us, although we know you are. We know you are present with us. Uh, your Holy Spirit dwells within each one of us who've put our faith in you, and you are present everywhere. And so, God, we pray that in your presence that you would... Uh, illuminate our minds as we look at your scriptures, uh, teach us things that maybe we haven't seen before, remind us of the things that we knew, but maybe we've forgotten, and encourage us once again through your word. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in our progression through this history of hope, uh, we left off last week with the angel Gabriel telling Mary that she was about to have a baby. And perhaps you, you've come here on this, this last Sunday before Christmas expecting to hear, finally, about the baby in the manger and the shepherds and the, the wise men and all those good things. Uh, however, uh, like I said at the very beginning, I'm guessing you probably know that part of the story. And if you don't, tune into our Zoom party on Christmas Eve, and we're going to read through all that, and we'll have some wonderful illustrations by our children, so it should be fantastic. Um, but today, I'm actually going to fast forward through that part. Uh, we're going to skip the whole birth of Jesus in, in the Christmas story, which seems a little bit odd, but, but track with me on this one. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Jesus' childhood either. Uh, in fact, apart from, you know, one incident when he was about 12 years old, we really don't hear much about Jesus again until he's about 30. And, and that's when you start reading about Jesus, you know, going around teaching the crowds and doing miracles and training his disciples and all that sort of stuff. All those things that you read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And actually, most of what we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all happens within about a three-year period when Jesus was probably in his early 30s. Um, and we're going to actually still not even focus on that part. We're going to skip right kind of to the end of that because it's at the end of those three years that we get what we know now as the Easter story where we're, and you probably know this story as well, where Jesus is falsely accused and he's arrested and he's put to death on a cross. But three days later, he rises again from the grave and he appears to, you know, Mary and the disciples and you know, about 400 other people. Um, and it's without, I mean, without the Easter story, the, the Christmas story really would be pointless. That's, the, that's the, the key part of God's plan to make all things right again. Um, and it's, so it's right about here. Actually, maybe it's at the end of that part that I want to pick up our story today. Because again, I think you're pretty familiar with, with the Easter story. You've, you've heard that many times before. So I'm going to pick up right at the end of that. And I think this will help us see God's big picture, God's plan to put things right again. So we're actually going to turn to Acts chapter 1 today. Uh, and in case you didn't know, the book of Acts is kind of a, a part two to the Gospel of Luke. Both were written by a guy named Luke to a fellow named Theophilus. And so he kind of wrote 
Luke talking about um, all of Jesus' birth and, and life and, and death and resurrection. And then Acts is kind of what happened because of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. And, and so we're going to start today in Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1, where Luke says this. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the disciples from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now pause here for a second. This is the obvious question, right? Here we have Jesus, the, the Messiah, the one that God promised to Adam and Eve would come and, and crush Satan's head, the one that God promised to Abraham would be a blessing to every family on earth, the one that God promised to King David would be king forever, right? And so, of course, the disciples are going to ask, okay, is it time now? Are you finally going to take your, your rightful place as king forever? Are you going to wipe out Satan and, and do away with sin and all of its consequences? Lord, has the time come for you to restore or to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? And you would certainly think that after Jesus' death and resurrection, the answer would be, yes, it's finally time. But no, it wasn't. Not yet. Jesus responds in verse 7. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, I don't know about you, but I think if I were a disciple in that situation, I think I'd be a little bit confused right about now. I mean, think about it. Just moments ago, they were standing with the Messiah, the one that God had promised repeatedly for the last, you know, 4,000-some years. They'd seen him do miracles. They'd seen him, you know, walk on water and feed the crowds, rise people back from the, the grave. He himself, they'd watched him die on a cross and, and rose from the grave three days later. I mean, clearly, Jesus was the one that God had promised would come and he would make all things right again. And then he leaves. Right? He goes back into heaven, and they're just left there standing, wondering, what just happened here? Because it seemed like nothing had changed. Like Jesus hadn't finished his job. Right? He was supposed to be king for all time. But they were still under the rule of the Romans. He was supposed to crush Satan's head and do away with sin and its consequences. But there was still pain and suffering in the world. He was supposed to make all things right again. But the world seemed just as messed up as it was before. So... What's the deal? Well, I think there's a passage in 2 Peter that'll maybe give us a little bit of insight into this. So if you go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says this. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, 
and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. See, the reason that it seemed like Jesus hadn't, you know, finished the job, the, the reason that he hadn't wiped out sin and, and made everything right again was because he was being patient for our sake. He wanted everyone to have a chance to, to accept that forgiveness that Jesus had just made available to them. Jesus' death and resurrection did accomplish everything that God required to make everything right again. But God's great love for every single person and his incredible patience meant that the, the final fulfillment of all of God's promises would have to wait just a little bit longer. God was patiently waiting for every person, every person possible, to hear and accept and respond to the good news of his salvation. And that's why when the disciples were asking Jesus, if, if now was the time that he would restore the kingdom, Jesus tells them in Acts 1-7, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, God's promise to, to wipe out evil would still stand. You know, he would indeed make all things right again, just like we, we read about that throughout the New Testament. But not yet. First, the message of salvation had to be proclaimed to all the nations. God wanted as many people as possible to hear and believe the message that there is forgiveness for their sins, that there is hope for the future. And that's where we are today in this history of hope. We're somewhere between Jesus' death and resurrection and his second coming. Jesus is waiting to come back and make all things right because there are still people out there that need to hear and accept the good news of the gospel. And so this morning, I want to both challenge and encourage you. I want to encourage you in that Jesus is coming back. He will take his place as king for all time. He will crush Satan and he will do away with all sin and its consequences forever. You know, as the angels said to the disciples, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. You know, just as the Old Testament uh, people ha had to wait in hope and anticipation for Jesus' first coming, in the same way, we now wait in, in anticipation and hope for Jesus' second coming. At the beginning of the series, I, I showed you one of my favorite passages uh, out of Revelation. It really sums up the hope that we have for what life is going to be like someday soon. It's Revelation 21, and I'll start reading at verse 3. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. 
This is the hope of Christmas. This is why we celebrate. Because of that little baby Jesus that was born some 2,000 years ago, we have the hope of eternal life with our King, God, where there's no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, no more pain, just everlasting, abundant life, just as God intended it. That's a gift worth celebrating. But that's also where the challenge comes in. There are still people out there in our world, in our neighborhoods, even in our families that have not yet accepted God's gift of forgiveness and salvation. In fact, many of them don't even know that, that, that there's forgiveness available to them. They don't know about God's plan to make all things right again. And God has given us this task of letting them know. And that's why he tells his disciples in, in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even to Penhold, even though that's actually not in there. But this is our mandate as much as it was to theirs, to the original disciples. This gift of hope that we've received is, is far too precious just to, to keep to ourselves. And what a better time to share this incredible gift than, than at Christmas. And so I want to encourage you, you know, as, as God brings you opportunity uh, this Christmas and beyond to share this good news with the people around you. And I know, you know, things are, are certainly different with, with all this COVID stuff, particularly at this time of year. But, you know, our responsibility to our, our friends and our neighbors remains the same. We have to let them know that that little baby that was laid in a manger, he went on to die on a cross and come back to life again three days later so that we could have eternal life and have our sins forgiven. And so if by chance you happen to be one of those people who have not yet accepted God's gift of eternal life, you know, if you're one of those people that God is still patiently waiting for, I'd encourage you to accept his gift of life today. You know, because we don't know when Jesus will come back. It might be tomorrow, it might be later today, it might be 10 years from now, we don't really know. But when he does come, the decisions that we've made in this life will be final. You know, if we continue to reject God in this life, rejecting him as the source of our life, rejecting him as our authority, then God will finally give us the autonomy that we so desire and we'll be separated from him and all of his goodness forever. But if we've chosen to accept God in this life, and, and we, we accept his gift of forgiveness and the gift of life that he offers us, if we acknowledge him again as our source of everything we need and, and as the authority in our life, then he will gladly embrace us and accept us, and we will spend eternity enjoying life together with him forever. You know, it says in Romans 10, 9, uh, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so if you would like to make that decision today, uh, as these verses tell us, you know, it's not all that complicated. All that's required is that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God did indeed raise him from the dead and you will be saved. 
And if you want to talk to me further about that, you know, about how to live with God as your source of everything you need and as your authority, uh, by all means, come and talk to me. I would love nothing more than to have that conversation with you. Uh, see me after the service. Call me up sometime this week. Send me a text. But I would love to talk with you about how to accept this gift of life that God has offered us. You know, the, the, the theme for this uh, message series this Christmas has been a history of hope because that's really what it is. You know, no matter how badly mankind has messed up, no matter how many times we reject God and we insist on doing things our own way, uh, which only compounds the, the dreadful consequences of our sin, but no matter how, how dark, no matter how hopeless life seems to get, God continues to offer us hope again and again and again, right from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, uh, right to where we are today. God continues to offer us hope for the future. You know, he gives us hope in the, in the midst of a pandemic. He gives us hope when our, our relationships are broken and suffering. He gives us hope when our immediate future seems unclear. You know, no matter what our situation, God gives us hope. And one day soon, that hope will be realized. It's not just hope forever, but that hope will be realized. Jesus will return and he will, will set all things right. And we will spend eternity with our God enjoying all of his goodness forever. And so this morning, I just want to invite you to, to stand with me and we're going to pray together. And, and we're just going to thank God for the incredible gift of hope that he has given us uh, through his son, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate this Christmas. So stand with me and let us pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for this gift of hope. Uh, I, I can't even imagine how, how empty, how hopeless it would be without knowing that you're coming back and you're going to make all things right. And we have an eternity to look forward to uh, of enjoying your goodness forever. God, for those without hope this morning, God, I pray that they would, first of all, that they would hear the message of salvation, that they would hear that that little baby, you know, that we sing out at Christmas time that was laid in a manger. God, that little baby was Jesus Christ, the, the Son of God, and he came to make all things right again. He came to die on a cross in our place so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have eternal life. God, I pray that if there are people that are listening to this message right now, that if they have not accepted you as their Savior, that they would do that. And God, if there's other people who aren't hearing this message right now, but there's a lot of people who are, and so I pray that those people who are hearing this, that have known this maybe for years already, I pray that they would have the 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 boldness, the determination to share this with their friends, with their neighbors, with the people around them so that they too can experience eternal life. God, you've been so patient with us. You know, it's been, you know, some 2,000 years since you came and you died on the cross. You've been patiently waiting for, for people to hear the good news. God, I thank you that you waited till now so that I could hear this good news, that I could go to heaven and be with you forever. God, I pray that for so many others that have yet to hear. I pray that this church would be a church who would go out into their neighborhoods, into their streets, wherever they are, uh, even into other countries, and would tell people this good news so that heaven may be filled with people who have accepted you as their Savior, uh, who want to live with you forever. God, I thank you so much for this gift of hope that you've given us. May we generously and freely give this gift uh, to the people around us this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. <laughs>